Hello and welcome to Integratus. I'm your host, Jonathan Franz. And if you are one of those curious listeners on the other end, I say thank you. This is a space where you can create a deeper connection with yourself, a space to embody a more authentic you. Along the way, I'll share the highs, the lows, the learnings and the losses of my experience in life. And in turn, I hope it helps you to open up your heart a little, to grow in extraordinary ways, and to ultimately feel inspired so you too can embrace your fears and share your gifts to the world. Welcome to Integratus. Enjoy the show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We are back in town for episode number 12. That's 12 weeks, man. 12 weeks in a row. I tell you what, like, I don't know if it gets easier. I can't say that it's gotten easier. Has it gotten easier? Um, look, it. I feel like it hasn't gotten easier, but I feel that I'm becoming more comfortable in the process. Um, but as I become more comfortable, I put new heights in front of myself to sort of get a little bit more uncomfortable. But look, I would say I I would say that I'm feeling more comfortable showing up every single week and delivering a podcast. And twelve weeks, I, I mean, it's a really nice sort of reminder to be like, oh, this thing happened twelve weeks ago. Like I started this thing twelve weeks ago, um, <laughs> and we're still going. So I love I love that I can look back and go oh man, I've got direct evidence that I can do this. So keep going. And I'm really getting amazing reflections from everyone just to keep going. So just as I like to start every episode with a big thank you. Thank you to the people that listen. Uh, thank you for yeah, just the people that don't even listen and maybe one day will, but are in the field of my Instagram or my Facebook or just me as a person in life moving through the world and that come up and say things, you know, hey, um, I scrolled through Instagram the other day and I really felt like I got a little bit about what you're about and I like your messaging. And to me, that's such a beautiful thing to hear. It's easier to not say that than to say that. So I might sound like a bit of a broken record, but hey, um, thank you. Thank you to your time, your energy, your open heart, and your willingness to hopefully dig a little bit deeper on yourself and what you feel and what you want to uh, move through in this world whilst you're alive, <laughs> at least for this life. Anyway, reincarnation is a different topic and past lives are also a different topic from today. So I digress. Today is an episode that I have wanted to film and record probably since the start, actually. It's been in the, it's been simmering, you could say. And I've actually been a little bit apprehensive about sharing it. And I had a little birthday barbecue weekend and 
it, it came up, you know, the topic of ayahuasca and, and plant medicine came up and I started sharing uh, it with a guy who yeah, was really interested um, but hadn't done it before and just felt like he was listening to me in a in a really curious, open, uh, you know, demeanor. There wasn't, there wasn't much to it, but I could feel a lot of excitement, um, and I could feel his mind and his whole being just thinking and processing. So I thought, you know what? It might be the time. It might be the time, Cheryl. To put something out about ayahuasca and my journey with ayahuasca uh, in February. If you're listening to this podcast and you don't know what ayahuasca is and you're like, what the freak is Jono talking about? Ayahuasca is a uh, plant medicine. It's a combination of a root uh, or you could say a vine and a leaf, uh, particularly from the Amazon. And they've been using, well, I mean, plant medicine has been around since the dawn of time. And it's it's used in rites of passage work. It's used in healing. Um, it's used in uh, cultures that work deeply with the land, are connected deeply to the land. And the incredible gifts that come from the land. So I'm not going to give a, a history on ayahuasca and, you know, the plant and where it's from and blah, blah, blah. But because I don't know that. <laughs> In fact, I'm a newbie. I'm completely new to, you know, you could call it plant medicine. I've only done uh, one ayahuasca trip. And who knows, it might, it might just be my only one ever. And I don't know yet. But today I wanted to talk about my journey with plant medicine because it's a space that I was very curious about only in the last three or four years of my life. I didn't really, uh, I, I didn't come, like, it didn't come into my life and only until about four years ago. I, my healing path really started a lot from your traditional personal development route, which is like, how can I, you know, change my mindset, change my state, um, you know, put in these routines and habits and how can I move better? How can I feel better? Meditation, journaling, gratitude, um, vitality, increasing my vitality, learning how to rest, looking at my nervous system. And these things are all amazing. And they've grown over time for me as well. And I don't want to knock that. Um, but that was how my healing journey started. Well, to be honest, actually, my healing journey started through the physical body. And I didn't know it at the time. But me becoming a personal trainer was me healing healing myself. Uh, and the reason why I say healing myself is because I had a lot of anxiousness, a lot of pressure, a lot of overwhelm sitting inside of me. And I still do today. But I didn't know what to do with the energy. I didn't know what to do with these feelings and emotions. I had zero idea how to process them, sit with them, be with them, love them. Um, so what I did was go to the gym and move my body. And as a byproduct, I could relax my nervous system. I could feel good about myself. You know, I could 
um, feel like as a young man that I was achieving in the world, that I was growing in the world. And that is where my healing journey began. And in the last four years, being exposed to just going deeper on my own exploration into self. And I started to look at Tantra. I started to look at, you know, parts work. I started to like learn what it's like and to really embody what it's like to love myself, not love myself for who I am or what I do or how I look or how successful I am, but to like actually love myself without any external factor being an indication of how much I can love myself or how worthy I am to love myself because I do X. So that was as soon as I started going into that journey and really like opening up my heart, softening and being super present and okay with where I was and where I am, that's when sort of plant medicine came into my life. And it came up a few times um, in the last three years. It had come up like twice actually before I chose to do it. And when I, when it was shown to me or when it was offered to me, you know, to go and sit in ceremony and I'll, I'll explain a little bit about like ceremony and what it looks like. And again, I'll relate it back to my experience. Uh, but I, I felt like I, I was terrified of it, actually. I was like, oh my God, I've heard all these stories about plant medicine and like people going crazy and this like, you know, what even happens? Like, there's this thing, am I unconscious? Am I completely disassociated from my body like what is going on with this thing and I thought I was really scared and I was like oh you know it's going to show you what needs to be shown in your life and you know are you ready to face it and blah 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 it was just a lot of fear around doing something like this and the first two times that it came up I, I felt like I wasn't in a state to to go down that path and, and choose it but the third time that it came into my life, um, I had just exited like a really deep, difficult time where I had, I've spoken about this before on the podcast, but where I had um, a big financial loss, not just with myself, but also in my family. I had family loss. I lost my grandfather. Um I exited a business that I was in for two years, you know, with my with my mates. Um, I gave up a business in order to be there, and I left on very uncomfortable and somewhat incomplete terms. And I had to go on my own journey. And that combined with not knowing what I was going to do, who I was, and how I could express myself in the world, um, just complete and utter uncertainty and confusion. I was coming out of that point of my life and I felt like it was, a, it was an opportunity for me to say yes. And I felt in my heart that I want to give this a go. And also, like, what really helped my decision was 
like the set and setting and who it was with and you know it was 20 very kind of beautiful not very kind of like it was 20 beautiful people that I knew well some new faces but very some old and familiar faces and it was a tight group and it was with an incredible shaman and you know it was in the hinterland and I felt automatically like this was the set and setting this is the people that I wanted to do it with so I decided to say yes and you know I did that in February I want to put a few caveats in place here the first one is like this is not some sort of advertisement of plant medicine like I I have done it once and even if I had done it 50 times I feel like everyone needs to go on their own journey with this so I'm just going to speak from my experience and my my journey. And if this is something that you're curious about, go slow. Go really slow and and ask yourself like why do I really want to do this? Am I do I feel like I'm in a healthy settled state of mind? have I done some level of work in my life? Like, have I, you know, cracked myself open a few times in life? Um, and I'm, am I actually committed to this journey? Not just this experience of ayahuasca, but am I really committed to this journey of self-inquiry and um, healing oneself and loving oneself? Am I really committed to that journey? So when it came up for me, I thought, you know what, this is this is the right time. I also will say that one thing that I heard from a, a shaman, a man who's been like, you know, indoctrinated uh, in this medicine and really has pioneered plant medicine in Australia for a long time, 30 years, 40 years. His name is Darpan and you can search him on on Google. You can you can listen to some interviews on him uh, on on YouTube. There's an incredible interview with Darpan, uh, quite recently actually, with Darpan and um, a guy called uh, Cosmic, and it's a great interview at Darpan's property after his 70th birthday. And I've listened to Darpan speak before, and he's come to certain. Uh, he's come to a retreat that I was on and he talked about plant medicine and his wisdom and his, oh my God, like his depth of experience inside of this is, he is a master. Like he has traversed freaking worlds with this plant medicine. So there's people that you can actually go and learn from and, and, and get a sense of. But I think Darpan is is amazing um, and he's the guy that I leaned in on for feeling safe, secure, known, you know, having someone that I felt like was very grounded in it and I could feel safe around. And Darpan wasn't the shaman that I, that, that was in my ceremony, but Darpan was a figure who started to open plant medicine up for me in a very safe, just clear way. So here's something that Darpan says is, if you're still getting triggered, by like little things like the traffic, for example, like if someone cuts you off in the road and you know your emotions are right there, anger's right there, like you've bursted out and you're putting your you've you know you 
giving that person the finger and you know you try to chase after them and it's just like you're beeping you're angry or you're just in your stuff like if you're still experiencing that and i'm not to say that like i'm definitely i'm i have passed thank god i have surpassed that type of I never really had road rage, but just the irritation, the frustration, and the anger. Some people are so angry on the roads. And I can see that the, the, the road, the traffic is just a catalyst for something that's going on a lot deeper. And Darpan says, if you're a person that's like literally getting triggered by the traffic and someone cuts you off and your, your emotions are right there, frustration, anger, and there's no separation from like your ability to choose to respond versus just automatic reaction, like a subconscious just triggered reaction, then you're not even close to being ready to be in this like space. And in saying that, that's not a blanket rule, right? That's not some blanket rule because people just, you know, just choose to go and then that's their path. Like that is their path. But when I heard that, I was like, okay, cool. Like, I'm not getting triggered in the traffic. Like I've done some level of work. I think what he's really talking about here is have you done some level of work? And and what you might be thinking, well, what the hell does that mean? Well, it's a great question. That's a really good question. Well, what does that mean? What does the work actually mean? Well, if you're willing to feel the full spectrum of your emotions, if you're willing to understand and be curious with why you respond or react in certain ways or why you repeat certain patterns in your life that are sabotaging you, that are filled with self-hatred and judgment, like if you want to go and follow that and make a different change and open up that rabbit hole and you've done some of that work, right? You've been in spaces where healing is is happening where you know you're choosing to love yourself right you're making a stand to actually up level your consciousness to grow as a human being to evolve and you've done some of that work then yeah that's how I took this I took this as like okay cool I feel like I'm in a good position to consider this so just laying out a bit of that foundation before I go into my own experience um so this this was at the end of february that this ceremony was was happening and when i found out about this ceremony they say like the i the, the medicine so ayahuasca is the grandmother right of the plants and then for someone like the grandfather uh, is saint pedro right which is the masculine and again i could probably get some of these things wrong but i've you know i've just heard from being in the circle and, and also just my own research around the joint that uh, the grandmother, so ayahuasca is is feminine. And it's not to say that she's more gentle, like people can have very harrowing, very deep, like terrifying journeys with ayahuasca, but typically the grandmother, she's got the energy of the grandmother. You know, she can hold you, she can help you feel safe. like. If you come with an open heart and be willing to surrender, like she will show you the keys to love. She will show you what you need to be shown. And so ayahuasca is is the grandmother. And when I decided to do ayahuasca, um, something very interesting happened to me. Because 
I was umming and ahhing. I kind of had said yes, right? But then I really said yes. And then when I said yes, I felt over those next couple of days, my appetite, um, no, not my appetite, my desire for meat had totally shifted. Now, I was on carnivore. I was, I was practically eating meat twice a day, very limited vegetables, and um, super lots of dairy, lots of fat, lots of oils. Like I was on a carnivore diet and I, I was loving it. And I had been on this for months, not months. I had been off and on for six months, let's call it. And the moment I chose to do ayahuasca, this was months before the ceremony even began. I think it was three months before. I went to go and have a piece of red meat and I didn't want it. I was like, I don't feel like this. I couldn't work it out at the time. I didn't know what was going on, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't actually uh, want it. And that was the very first, that was in a week. And then I started looking at how to actually prepare for ayahuasca. I knew a, I knew a little bit about how to prepare for something like this, but it, typically the ayahuasca diet they call it is, <laughs> you know, coming off red meat, um, coming off caffeine, removing uh, masturbation or or sex, um, obviously sugar, and dairy was one of them as well. And uh, alcohol, obviously, and any other drugs, you know, um, marijuana or anything like that, and and removing that from from the diet. And what happened was that process, like, happened within the week. My whole digestive system started to change, and I felt that that was kind of eerie to me. But I listened to it and I followed it, and. Since that happened so early, I made a decision to to prep for ayahuasca and this ceremony. For, for like, I made a decision to really prioritize the the respect that this plant medicine deserves, and I knew that I was going into a space that was very sacred. I also knew that I was going into a space that I have no idea what the freak is going to happen. I have to just trust that I'm led here and what will happen will happen, but I'm terrified. So I want to go in as clean as possible. So I started my ayahuasca prep about three months to the actual ceremony. And you don't have to do this, but this was my journey. This was my calling. The kind of recommendation is like five, 10 days before but even if I was to do ayahuasca again, it would I would not. That wouldn't be the way I would roll with things. Um, that's not to say that you can't roll like that, but that's not how I would roll with it. Just for some reason, it feels like a very. Um, it, it feels like a place where I want to be pure. I want to be clean, and I want like my body to be a vessel where anything can happen, and I have the ability to be with it. That's what. I, I wanted. So I, I started this ayahuasca diet three months before. I came off my red meat. 
Um, I came off the caffeine. I dropped the sugar. I started eating grains. Um, I was eating bread again. Uh, I was having lentils and soups and loads of veggies. I was having fish and a little bit of chicken and some eggs, but not a lot. And I was cleaning out, man. Cleaning out. And that was a that was a really beautiful journey to go on. And the prep to ayahuasca, it's like, it's as much as you want to, it's as far as you want to take it. And I wanted to really honor this journey for the first time. I'm like, okay, man, I'm going to go, like, what's going to happen? You know, what's going to happen? So the reason why I did it, I didn't actually have a clear reason why to do it. Like, and that scared me a little bit. It feels like, oh, everyone's got some reason why, very clear intention of like, I want to see this thing in my life. I want to see, or, you know, I want to go and address that wound that's there. And like, I didn't have that. And you might not have that for the first time if you decide to choose that. And that was a little bit scary for me because I'm like, okay, well, what's the intention? And I had a very good friend, uh, an, an like an older, sort of elder woman who had been in many plant ceremonies before and she is she actually is a shaman herself she's been initiated in um a particular type of medicine and, and she was an ally that i could communicate with and she said to me john it's okay that you don't have an intention your intention can be just to just to allow whatever is to be shown whatever comes up just to be an open vessel. Your intention can be to can be to be an open vessel, and I that relieved me so much um, prior to my my journey. And I was like, oh God, like thank you. I can just let go. I don't have to like you know bring in some clear intention. As soon as that happened, when I decided to become an open vessel, about two weeks before, I got a very clear intention of like what this what this ceremony was was for me and what this ceremony what the the intention that I set for this ceremony was all about embracing my fears I wanted to embrace the feelings of feeling not good enough or confusion and doubt and I wanted to walk closer towards embracing my fears I wanted to walk closer towards sharing myself and creating in the world this is the reason this podcast is birthed, has been birthed, because I came back from ayahuasca and it was like, are you going to do this? Like, are you going to say, are you going to do what you say you're going to do? And that's how basically this podcast is birthed and many other things are going to be birthed because I have, I'm making a commitment to embrace my fears. I'm making a commitment to show up every single week. So the ceremony, in a nutshell, Ayahuasca is typically done over two nights, like two sittings. And what's really important about ayahuasca, just from my experience, the set and setting is crucial, like absolutely crucial. Like what's the environment that you're in? Is there water around? Like are you on a private property? Like, you know, are you in good hands? Like set and setting, like is it away from, can you actually create an adventure out of this? Like an experience out of this? Packing your car, driving somewhere. Like, you know, if you go to the Amazon, like, you know, getting on a flight. Like, is there some ritual? Is there some sort of separation that's occurring? And 
does that environment, does that set and setting light you up? And for me, it was really, it was, it was amazing. I saw some pictures of where I was going. There was a private property, you know, it was in the Byron hinterland. And so the set and setting was on fire. It was like, great. I was like, yes, that feels good. And then the people, like, who are you doing it with? I wanted to do it with people that I knew and like had some familiar faces. And it was a close knit community. It was a close knit group. And that was a big tick for me. And then, um, it was about, do I do I feel safe? Oh, sorry, sorry. Not, not do I feel safe. I mean, that's like a big thing as well. It was about who are the facilitators? Like, are, can I, like, I don't know them, but can I feel them? Can I, can I get some data that they know what the freak is going on, that they've sat in countless ceremonies, that they know what the medicine is all about, like that they can hold something if, it, if shit goes down? Like, can I trust these people? That's the word. Can I trust these people? And for me, I trusted who was organizing that for me. And I was like, okay. And then I felt we had a couple of calls leading up with the facilitators, with the shaman, right? With the people that were entering uh, the the ceremony. Like, all this stuff's important. Like, the build-up, the prep, actually, like, coming together, seeing who you're in ceremony with and you know, having a conversation with the shaman and getting out all those icky questions of like, you know, am I going to see? I'm gonna be, and am I going to be able to see? Or like, can I go to the bathroom? Like, you know, am I completely unconscious? Like all these general fears that we feel. Can I have the space to talk about that? And we did have that space. And so that was another point, another point that I can lean on that was like, oh man, yeah, I'm in good hands. I'm in really good hands. So the ceremony itself, um, got there on a Friday day. Friday day? Got there on a Thursday. Got there on a Thursday, settled in, you know, like people cooking for you, were staying in like beautiful little tents and had a great crew and just, you know, the lake was there, the river was there, really just immersing myself in the land and being getting familiar having conversations with people and the friday night is is when we sat we sat friday night and uh saturday night and ayahuasca is something that you drink it's it's a like i said at the start it's a mixture of a root and a vine and they 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 cook it for like days essentially and it's this sort of blackish molasses like syrup um by the end of it and you you drink it and um, so it's a powerful psychedelic. I just want to put that out there as well. Like ayahuasca is a very powerful psychedelic and it's not a drug. I, 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 I don't feel comfortable saying it's a drug because it, like, it's, it's come from a plant. It's the plant. Like, the, like there's so many drugs that have come from plants. But I see this. I see, I, I thought that I was like, man, I mean, is this a psychedelic drug? But then over time, I was like, nah, man, this is medicine. Like people use this as medicine. It's, it's come from the earth. It's not a drug. It's not like freaking cocaine. It's not like speed. It's not like heroin. It's not like any of these. It's not alcohol, right? It's none of this. This is actually real medicine. And it's got a huge, it's got an incredible healing proponent to it. So... Friday night, we sat, and Saturday night, we sat. I'm not going to go too much into the logistics, but I feel I would want to hear something like this. So 
we were in a big teepee, like a giant teepee that was made on the land. And this thing was incredible. Like it was, man, maybe six, seven meters high. Um, big bamboo pillars like crossing over. It's beautiful, like white, like thick sort of protection with um, with rope attached to it. It was just like a beautiful, gigantic teepee with a big fire in the middle. And we walked into that teepee at about 6.30 and we didn't really drink, you know, ayahuasca until probably 7.30, maybe even 8 o'clock. Now, there's lots of like different formalities in, in, in these ceremonies. So there's the calling in of spirits. There's the smoking of like the... There's the blessings, like there's there's so much ritualistic actions that take place in the ceremony to really invite you to fully surrender. And for me, it was it was unbelievable. Like there were musicians there, like such talented musicians that guide you. There was this open fire that had been made by hand, right? Like hand, like old school hand. I saw the guy sweating, like as he was making it. And so, and then the fire like also works with the ceremony. Sometimes it's big and bright where the energy's up and the music's loud and the, or sometimes it's really down low and, you know, you're in your quiet space and you, you're just in your thing, in your journey. And then it's like out again. And it's this is roller coaster ride where it's so perfectly guided by the people that have been in that space for so, like so much of their life and have gifts, real, real, real gifts. And the shaman was incredible. And I just felt like, like I was a part of this mystical experience and we didn't walk out of that tp until about 4 30 a.m and i know you're like oh my god that's ages but like it really doesn't feel like time is very much an illusion it's it's like how long you've been there for doesn't it's all it it's all just blurs into one and then at 4.30, you know, you're definitely kind of out of it by now. And, you know, you can stand up, you can have a conversation. And we all went to this beautiful, like, little house. And they served, like, vegetarian soup with some bread and butter. And everyone's just lounging around. And then you go to bed. Um, and then after that, you wake up. And you kind of just enjoy the land, the sunshine. And then everyone comes back into the TP about 1 o'clock. And it's a big sharing circle. And the sharing circle is like one of the most profound experiences that I've ever been in because you're starting to hear everyone's journeys. You're starting to hear what they moved through. You're starting to hear how it was for them, right? And um, there's huge amounts of healing because you get your own, like you get more downloads about your experience hearing other people's experiences. And that sharing circle is is so important. And if you do choose to do something like this in your life, again, set and setting, the facilitators, the right people, right? You know, is there a space to share? 
And then, you know, have lunch, chill out a little bit more. The weather was amazing. We're on the river. I mean, it was like utopia. It was a utopia of just bliss and unconditional love. And the day, and then you sit again. The same sort of process the second night. And you do ayahuasca for two nights. Now, during this ceremony experience, you would have heard before that people go through a purging and a purging is the way it actually comes out is that people will bring up um people will vomit right and there was a there was a very clever reframe that happened inside of our ceremony where it wasn't because it's so easy in our society like when someone vomits it's like oh the the common instinct is that that person is sick Right, so it's like when you hear someone vomit and purge, and my immediate thought process is, "Oh, that person's sick," and the reframe was that person's getting well, because they're purging what doesn't serve them anymore. They're purging the darkness. They're purging to cleanse. And I mean, in ceremonies, lots of stuff going on, man. Like people are vomiting, people are making crazy sounds, burping, farting. Like some people are, 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 are like on the ground, curled up in a ball and, and crying. Like all of it. I can't even begin to explain like anything like that. I mean, it's just the most unbelievable experience I've ever witnessed. Like just this community this little siloed community feeling with so much love and and expression and hurt and pain and life under this tp with this medicine and the journey goes on and it goes on and on and on <laughs> a little bit about my experience so I went into Aya very clean and I didn't purge at all. Like I didn't actually vomit at all, but my purging came in different ways, um, which it just came in the, like tears and it came in some, some movement and some dance. It came through my voice as well. And my purging didn't look like, like, like actually vomiting. And I, and I have a suspicion, well, at least that's what, I, what was reflected to me. I have a suspicion that because I came in so clean, like the, I, I was one of the, the, probably the cleanest I've ever been, like internally. And I'm really glad that I did that. I'm really glad that I respected the medicine in that way and it showed up just what felt right for me. So I didn't purge in, in that way, but I purged in other ways. And look, there's many lessons that I got from ayahuasca, but I just want to share... I'll share two. The, the first one was because I prepped so much in advance. Actually, the prep was a reflection of my life. The prep was me needing to feel a sense of safety, uh, a sense of control, and, and to do everything that I can to prepare for the worst. And... I literally went into that experience that that first night and I said all right I'm I can handle the worst I was expecting the worst bring it on 
Like if it's catastrophe, I have done everything in my power to prep for it. And what I was shown by the medicine, by the mother, is that she told me to enjoy. She told me to enjoy life. And my first night, I could not stop smiling from ear to ear and just tears of joy the entire time. I was dancing inside of my body, like obviously being still, but I was dancing, I was laughing, I was like feeling so warm and cozy. And she just said, hey, enjoy life. Like not everything has to be war. You don't have to prepare for war all the time. And I've been so conditioned in my life to prepare for the worst. And I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing to have, but like then then I forget about joy. I forget about bliss. I forget about ecstasy. And she showed me that. And that was just like something that I'll never, ever forget. Like life can be joy. It doesn't always have to be war. And the second lesson was on the second night, she she showed me, okay, I'll give you a little bit of an image. You know, sometimes those cogs that you see like on TV, the inner workings of the machine, like it's one cog in a small cog and a big cog and it's like turning around and around and another cog turns and it's like the inner workings of some sort of machine. Well, the second night, I felt like I was, I was watching myself inside of that cog machine and what she was doing was taking me through all of my ancestral trauma of like particularly just being Greek and Italian, um, all the all the survival, all the needing to work hard, all the fear. Like she showed me all this fear, like be careful, don't hurt yourself. Like, you know, I often got told like when I would get a glass of water, like, you know, just there'd be so much fear associated to everything that my dad would often say, hey, oh, be careful you don't drop that glass of water. Like I would fill up the glass of water or take it somewhere. And then the message would be, be careful you don't drop that. And instead of enjoy the water, have a have, enjoy that glass of water. It was always prepping for fear. It was always be careful because something might go wrong. And like very difficult to explain, but she showed me all the fear in my lineage through this cog, through these cogs moving around. And I felt like I was some like liquid person moving through these cogs and moving through all my trauma and my family's trauma of fear. So they were the two biggest lessons, just embracing fear and like being okay with fear and then not preparing for war, which is kind of more, you know, more joy, more ecstasy, like opening up my heart more, laughing more, dancing more and really just like I'm, I've been born for a reason. Like we're, we've been born to experience life. Life is joy and life is also suffering, <laughs> you know, but to move through that over time. And to open and experience really amazing things that this life has to offer. So they were two big, big lessons. I'm going to start to like land the plane here and, and wrap this up. 
I also think what's really important with doing something like this, so you've got your post, your post prep, which is like really getting comfortable with your group. This is just my experience. This is what happened with me. It might not work out like this for you, but getting comfortable with your group, like knowing the land, like, you know, feeling like you're prepped and ready to go, um, you know, communicating to whoever you need to communicate, cleansing, cleaning, like, and then actually coming into the ceremony and connecting and letting things go and being able to surrender. And then you've got the post, right? Which is this reintegration. The reintegration is like by far, in like just from what I experienced, is very, very important. We had like some people literally the day after flying into work, you know, and, and, and working that day uh, or working the day after. And everyone does, everyone goes to their own journey. Everyone gets shown what they need to be shown. And if, if, if that's their journey, like to be rattled into work, then that's what, that's what they're needing. That's what is necessary for them to work through the staff, to feel the things. So for me, I actually, uh, I spent, I spent seven days on, on some very sacred land in Mullumbimby and I really took the time and space to integrate again. And I didn't do much. I made some meals. You know, I, I sat in the sun. Um, I did a little bit of journaling and reading and I spoke to a few people and that was it. And I really just like integrated and I, and I let, I just rested. I just rested. And then after that, I went and visited my grandmother. Um, she was in the Gold Coast. And like, you know, the first thing she says to me, she's showing me how to lock the house. And when you, when this is open, what happens here? And like, if you don't shut that door, then that's going to be wrong. And, you know, this mug is good. And like, I mean, it was just, I was in this, the full spectrum of like that ancestral lineage that I was explaining to you before, which was fear, so much fear. You know, like every single door needed to be locked in the house. Like, you know, don't grab this mug, grab the other mug. Uh, and bless bless them, bless her, because that's just the way they've operated. But I felt that so distinctively because I had just been shown my lineage in a very, in a very powerful out-of-body sort of experience. And um, so that was a big thing. That was quite abrasive. And then I actually ran a retreat with my friend Courtney and we, we ran a Rise Disco sort of retreat, and which is like, you know, we, we were doing conscious dances with head, for silent disco headphones and we were, um, we were holding a retreat for our facilitators and it was just so beautiful and that's what I walked into. And then I came home. And when I came home, I had about a week of like grace and bliss and, and sort of like chill. And then all of my stuff came up. All of it. All of my self-doubt, all of the fear, all of the confusion, all of the not good enough, all the unworthiness. And I had a really tough, tough time. I went and facilitated this experience for a corporate thing and I felt like I did horrible and you know, judging myself, so critical of myself, trying to be perfect. Like it's the first time I've ever done this event like this. And it's like, I want it to be a 10 out of 10. And it's not a 10 out of 10. And I was just gutted. 
like absolutely gutted about how I performed and I was fully in my stuff. And I noticed it hit me like a ton of bricks. One of my intentions was to embrace my fears, my fears of not being good enough, my fears of self-doubt, my fears of confusion, my fears of what am I going to do with my life, blah, 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 right? All of them. When I came back, I got a very clear message from Aya, from the mother. She said to me, well, if you want to embrace your fears, if you say that you really want to do it, well, we're going to bring them all up. And then you can choose whether or not you want to embrace your fears. And that message was so loud and clear for me. And I slowly started. Do you want to put the podcast out? Do you want to create this thing that you say that you want to do? All right. Well, what are you going to do about it? You going to show up? Like I know I'm talking in a, in a bit of like a kind of a, a bit more masculine here, like an authoritative sort of way, but that's what the thing was. It was like, are you going to do what you say you're going to do, man? Like, do you want to create? Like, do you want to create? Okay, go for it. Well, you're going to have to move through you're not good enough. You're going to have to move through your self-doubt. You're going to have to be okay with not being perfect. You're going to be okay. have to be okay with failing. You're going to have to be okay with not knowing where the heck you're going, where I'm going. You're going to have to be okay with uncertainty. You're going to have to be okay with fear. And one step in front of the other, slowly, slowly, I began to embrace my fears. And to sum this all up, my ayahuasca journey was utter bliss. It was sunshine and rainbows. It was dance. It was play. It was smiles. It was laughter. It was crying. It was like ecstasy. And then I came back home and the real work began when I came home. And in my opinion, this is what it's all about. I can go and chase these very esoterical, mystical, blissful experiences. And, and, and I, 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 I probably will, you know, not chase them. I, I will go back into that space again because it's, it's, it is. It's like I think everyone should experience just that level of unconditional love and joy. And that doesn't have to be with plant medicine, by the way. I just mean those spaces, those sacred spaces. I feel like everyone's deserving of like true beauty. And that's what that was for me. But when I came home, the real work, the real work happens on the day to day. And this is why you hear people spend like their whole life in plant medicine journeys. They never actually integrate. It's really easy to stay in that world but it takes a lot of courage to be in like the real world, to be in just like the, the makeup in which we are and to figure out it here, to figure out it in the day-to-day, -day, 
that's where I feel like the real work is. And that's when my journey began, like my ayahuasca journey began. Like I, you know, obviously I wasn't on ayahuasca when I got back home, but my ayahuasca journey began. The, the true test was when I was home. Are you going to go and do it? So <laughs> I'm doing it. You know, one step after the other and I'm being kind and I'm and I'm really embracing the fact that I get to feel joy still. It doesn't all have to be serious like it was for me, preparing for war, preparing for the worst. It can be fun, right? It can be joyous. That's my ayahuasca journey. That's my experience. I mean, I could probably talk a lot longer. I've, you know, I've talked for a lot, lot longer than I usually talk. It's 50 something minutes here. But, I hope I've given you a taste, you know, just just a taste of what goes on, my experience, why I chose to do it, how I moved through it. I hope you, you've gotten something from this. And to keep prioritizing loving yourself, to keep prioritizing walking closer towards your fears to keep prioritizing creating in the world rather than consuming nothing wrong with being a consumer but creating go and create peace love episode 12 catch you on the flip into gratis a space where you can see seek and heal oneself lots of love bye Oh, 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 oh. All right.